the Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar play it all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar. And here we are. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight as we start a brand new book of the Bible. We have just completed a time in the New Testament, the books of First and Second Corinthians. Wonderful books to read around the time of celebrating our nation's independence because of their great theme, particularly Second Corinthians, the great theme of freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. Now, we're going back into the Old Testament tonight. We're going to pick up with the book of Job. Most of you are familiar with Job only in the sense of the patience of Job. We'll talk more about the book of Job. Right now, though, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment, Psalm 96. So many different ways to praise and worship God. See if you can pick out a few on tonight's Bible Life. Psalm 96. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth Sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord, bless His name. Each day proclaim the good news that He saves. Publish His glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things He does. Great is the Lord, He is most worthy of praise. He is to be revered above all the gods. The gods of other nations are merely idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come to worship him. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. Tell all the nations that the Lord is King. The world is firmly established and cannot be shaken. He will judge all peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. 
Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst forth with joy. Let the trees of the forest rustle with praise before the Lord. For the Lord is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and all the nations with his truth. End of reading, Psalm 96. You are God in heaven. And here am I on earth. So I'll let my words be few. Jesus, I am so in love with you. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. And I'll say. Now, you remember the story of Job. This is the oldest book in the Bible, not perhaps the oldest written book, but it records the earliest events back into the times of the patriarchs, 2000 to 1800 B.C. The events that we read about in the book of Job are all quite early. There are no references to either the tabernacle or the temple or even to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to the covenant So this is considered to be the oldest of the books of the Bible. Very interestingly, it is one of the most popular books that we read on this program every year because so many people are touched by this experience. And I think it is the very humanity, the deep identification that we have with this man named Job. He is tested. He has a life filled with prestige, possessions, lots of people around him, wonderful family. And then he's suddenly assaulted on every side. He's devastated, stripped down to almost nothing. But his life had been built on God, and he manages to endure. Job is a theological treatise about suffering, about divine sovereignty. It's a picture of faith that endures through all kinds of hardship and difficulty. It's heroic in that sense when we really identify with this man named Job. As we read it together, now analyze your own life. Are you truly building your life on that foundation of the true and living God and his son, the Messiah? One thing you're going to notice here is that Job doesn't know all that we know. All Job had at his time was nature and what had been passed down verbally from the time of creation, the universal floods and so on, the things that he would have heard through that common wellspring of human tradition, the oral stories that had been passed down. But he still deals with some of the most common everyday problems we have today. Mortality. If a man dies, will he live again? He deals with the subject of faith and trust. One of the basic beliefs of the time was that if you're a good person, you're going to be prosperous. Well, that is not the case, and that's one of the great lessons taught about our life here on planet Earth. Remember now, as we start the book, Job is a prosperous farmer living in the land of Uz. He has thousands of sheep, camels, livestock, a large family, many servants. And suddenly Satan, the accuser, comes before God claiming that Job was only trusting God because he was wealthy. That's a common accusation that the world makes about Christians. And so the testing of Job's faith begins. Remember, Job doesn't know what we know. He doesn't know about God and Satan and this purposeful test of his faith. Job is just a man living out his life, and this comes upon him. 
God himself brags on Job and says he's a great man of faith and allows this testing of his faith. We're going to start out with the story of Job, and later we'll get into three of Job's friends who come to console him and help him and speak with him. So now to the book of Job on The Bible Life. Job 1, 1 through 5.27 Job 1 There was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and he employed many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Every year when Job's sons had birthdays, they invited their brothers and sisters to join them for a celebration. On these occasions, they would get together to eat and drink. When these celebrations ended, and sometimes they lasted several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan the accuser came with them. Where have you come from? the Lord asked Satan. And Satan answered the Lord, I have been going back and forth across the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and will have nothing to do with evil. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, Job fears God, but not without good reason. You have always protected him and his home and his property from harm. You have made him prosperous in everything he does. Look how rich he is, but take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. One day when Job's sons and daughters were dining at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the desert and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground before God. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be stripped of everything when I die. The Lord gave me everything I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Job 2. One day the angels came again to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan the accuser came with them. Where have you come from? the Lord asked Satan. 
And Satan answered the Lord, I have been going back and forth across the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and will have nothing to do with evil. And he has maintained his integrity, even though you persuaded me to harm him without cause. Satan replied to the Lord, Skin for skin, he blesses you only because you bless him. A man will give up everything he has to save his life, but take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence, and he struck Job with a terrible case of boils from head to foot. Then Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, You talk like a godless woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. Three of Job's friends were Eliphaz the Tamanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite. When they heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to demonstrate their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights, and no one said a word, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. Job 3 At last Job spoke. And he cursed the day of his birth. He said, Cursed be the day of my birth, and cursed be the night when I was conceived. Let that day be turned to darkness. Let it be lost, even to God on high, and let it be shrouded in darkness. Yes, let the darkness and utter gloom claim it for their own. Let a black cloud overshadow it, and let the darkness terrify it. Let that night be blotted off the calendar, never again to be counted among the days of the year never again to appear among the months. Let that night be barren. Let it have no joy. Let those who are experts at cursing, those who are ready to rouse the sea monster, curse that day. Let its morning stars remain dark. Let it hope for light, but in vain. May it never see the morning light. Curse it for its failure to shut my mother's womb, for letting me be born to all this trouble. Why didn't I die at birth as I came from the womb? Why did my mother let me live? Why did she nurse me at her breast? For if I had died at birth, I would be at peace now, asleep and at rest. I would rest with the world's kings and prime ministers, famous for their great construction projects. I would rest with wealthy princes whose palaces were filled with gold and silver. Why was I not buried like a stillborn child, like a baby who never lives to see the light? For in death the wicked cease from troubling, and the weary are at rest. Even prisoners are at ease in death with no guards to curse them. Rich and poor are there alike, and the slave is free from his master. Oh, why should light be given to the weary and life to those in misery? They long for death, and it won't come. They search for death more eagerly than for hidden treasure. It is a blessed relief when they finally die, when they find the grave. 
Why is life given to those with no future, those destined by God to live in distress? I cannot eat for sighing. My groans pour out like water. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come to be. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Instead, only trouble comes. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Job 4. Then Eliphaz the Tamanite replied to Job, Will you be patient and let me say a word? For who could keep from speaking out? In the past, you have encouraged many a troubled soul to trust in God. You have supported those who were weak. Your words have strengthened the fallen. You steadied those who wavered. But now, when trouble strikes, you faint and are broken. Does your reverence for God give you no confidence? Shouldn't you believe that God will care for those who are upright? Stop and think. Does the innocent person perish? When has the upright person been destroyed? My experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. They perish by a breath from God. They vanish in a blast of His anger. Though they are fierce young lions, they will all be broken and destroyed. The fierce lion will starve, and the cubs of the lioness will be scattered. This truth was given me in secret as though whispered in my ear. It came in a vision at night as others slept. Fear gripped me. I trembled and shook with terror. A spirit swept past my face. Its wind sent shivers up my spine. It stopped, but I couldn't see its shape. There was a form before my eyes, and a hushed voice said, Can a mortal be just and upright before God? Can a person be pure before the Creator? If God cannot trust His own angels, and has charged some of them with folly, how much less will He trust those made of clay? Their foundation is dust, and they are crushed as easily as moths. They are alive in the morning, but by evening they are dead, gone forever without a trace. Their tent collapses. They die in ignorance. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Job 5. You may cry for help, but no one listens. You may turn to the angels, but they give you no help. Surely resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. From my experience, I know that fools who turn from God may be successful for the moment, but then comes sudden disaster. Their children are abandoned far from help with no one to defend them. Their harvests are stolen, and their wealth satisfies the thirst of many others, not themselves. But evil does not spring from the soil, and trouble does not sprout from the earth. People are born for trouble as predictably as sparks fly upward from a fire. My advice to you is this. Go to God and present your case to Him, for He does great works too marvelous to understand. He performs miracles without number. He gives rain for the earth. He sends water for the fields. He gives prosperity to the poor and humble, and He takes sufferers to safety. He frustrates the plans of the crafty so their efforts will not succeed. He catches those who think they are wise in their own cleverness so that their cunning schemes are thwarted. They grope in the daylight as though they were blind. They see no better in the daytime than at night. He rescues the poor from the cutting words of the strong. He saves them from the clutches of the powerful. And so at last the poor have hope, and the fangs of the wicked are broken. 
But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the chastening of the Almighty when you sin. For though he wounds, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal. He will rescue you again and again so that no evil can touch you. He will save you from death in time of famine, from the power of the sword in time of war. You will be safe from slander and will have no fear of destruction when it comes. You will laugh at destruction and famine. Wild animals will not terrify you. You will be at peace with the stones of the field, and its wild animals will be at peace with you. You will know that your home is kept safe. When you visit your pastures, nothing will be missing. Your children will be many. Your descendants will be as plentiful as grass. You will live to a good old age. You will not be harvested until the proper time. We have found from experience that all this is true. Listen to my counsel and apply it to yourself. End of reading Job 1, 1 through 527. Times of blessing, times of difficulty and problems. In all of those times... He is to be praised, worshipped, thanked. He is to be blessed. Bless the Lord. That's the theme of the song and the theme that we're looking at here in the book of Job. The book opens now with this story. Now, don't ever forget those first two chapters. The story behind the story begins in glory. It begins in heaven where God is looking upon humanity and he appreciates this man named Job who loves him and serves him and worships him. He is proud, obviously, clearly from the conversation. God is touched by the faithfulness of Job, his love, his devotion to God. This is a wonderful story because a great theme of our time, our politicians talk about, our president right now talks about justice, just and fair, and fairness over and over again, as if he's going to bring fairness. He is not nearly qualified to bring fairness or even know what fairness is. I'm not saying fairness and justice don't exist. But certainly this man is not the one to define what it is, nor is any other man. That's the problem with socialism and state-centered authority and government. Somebody's always going to abuse it. If you say, oh, we don't want there to be any more classes, everybody's going to be equal. i tell you someone that's not equal in a socialist communist state, and that is the elite, the people who run it. They're the one that drive the big cars and have the summer home and the winter palace. They do just great. That's what we're letting ourselves in for in these days. But I don't want to digress into that theme for the moment. I want to talk about the theme of justice. Classically, we tend to think that somehow in this world there's going to be fairness. Now, every father knows how to tell their children, well, life is not fair. We tell our children over and over again, in this life, on this planet Earth, We're not going to see fairness or justice absolutely carried out. Good people will and do suffer commonly every day. Good people suffer. You know the sayings, no good deed goes unpunished, all of the things that we say. And evil people, evil, wicked, selfish, abusive people will prosper. As I said, in every area of our society, Hollywood or in the music realm, politics, evil, wicked people do often prosper. They get elected president, people who do terrible things. So we know that good people will suffer, evil people will sometimes prosper. That's what's being introduced here. Job gives his opening speech. He's depressed. He's very hurt. He's confused by this. And his friends, quote friends, 
come to talk to him. And that's what the whole book is made up of now. After these opening experiences, this is a series of speeches, talks, or conversation that they have. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, and later on a young man named Elihu with Job. And the common element is there is real justice in this earth, and you're suffering because you sinned against God. And you continue to suffer because you continue to sin. You won't admit you're sinning, so you're still suffering. They'll get really personal and really abusive with Job. And Job himself goes through a testing of himself and his understanding and these ideas. But finally, the understanding comes that in this world, on planet Earth, we're not going to see perfect justice and fairness carried out. There will be no guarantee of justice in this life. Our guarantee and our hope for ultimate justice it comes in eternity when God will, as he clearly says over and over again, God will judge each and every human being. He will judge our every thought, our every word, our motives. He knows them and he will judge us. Wicked people, they may lie here, they may deceive many people, they may get away with all kinds of things here, but they will not escape the justice of God. God has made that clear. Now we're seeing that thought being introduced here into the lives of these individuals, into that world. They're struggling with this concept of justice in our world. God is there. He's not an absentee landlord. He loves his creation. He's working, has been, and is still working every day. But sin is here, and it's a reality. We live in a world where good and evil coexist. Evil is in every human being, and it will express itself. It would overwhelm goodness if it weren't for the intervention of God through his redemptive plan. Goodness is possible through the power of love and redemption. God has made a way for sin to be overwhelmed in our lives and its deadly effects to be atoned. And so all of those themes are going to come out here in the oldest book of the Bible. Well, off to a great start. We have the foundation laid. We know the story behind the story. We know what God is doing in the life of Job. We know his faith is being tested. So many wonderful lessons can be learned now as we watch Job and his friends wrestle with these great themes of suffering, of faith, of justice, and of redemption. They will all be in our conversations. Now, remember, this wife said, curse God and die to Job. Some people have asked, well, why didn't God take his wife as well? And uh, some people have answered, well, Leaving his wife was part of his punishment, and with a wife that was so discouraging to him. But let's not be too hard on Job's wife. She, too, had lost children, home, and servants, and a lifestyle, and her possessions. But the focus is on Job. The goal of this earthly life is not perfect justice. It is redemption. Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall Hawk Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now, don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.